Welcome to episode 31 of Coffee Pods and Wads. Uh, as always, sponsored by Born Primitive UK. You can use the code COFFEEPODS10 for money off your basket on their website, bornprimitive.co.uk. Um, they actually launched their summer uh, clothes <laughs> uh, last week, this week. So you can have a look on there and make some savings for yourself. Uh, I have some patches, pop sockets and other bits going. If you want some, you can send me a DM and I'll sort you out. Um, thank you for listening and for your continued support of the podcast. Please continue to like and share everything you can um, at Coffee Pods and Wads on Instagram. Um, or you can join up patreon.com forward slash Coffee Pods and Wads. Uh, patrons are getting first dibs on questions uh, for guests. Um, they get advance notice of what guests are coming up as well. Um, and they get discounts on merchandise and stuff too. Um, I also wanted to have a look at Maddie Nangle's Instagram page. Um, he's running a fundraiser for Pieta House. Uh, their Darkness and Delight obviously couldn't go ahead uh, as usual this year. So there's some different things going on to try and raise some funds. Um, Maddie actually purchased an assault bike and he's raffling it off. So every five euro donation that goes through the link that's in his bio on Instagram, um, it counts for one bike ticket to the raffle and then he's going to pick... Um, so I think like today, Wednesday is the closing day or maybe it's tomorrow, but it might be tomorrow actually. Um, but anyway, just go straight to at Matty Nangle, M-A-T-T-Y-N-A-N-G-L-E. Um, he's almost had his goal of two and a half grand, um, which would be a great boost for them considering they missed out on a lot of their usual fundraising. Uh, this week's guest is Bjorg von Karl Gudmundsson, uh, BKG, as he's better known, uh, is a multi-time regionals and games athlete. He's like basically the annual fittest man in Iceland um, and he's currently the third fittest man in the world um, I was gutted when we recorded this because there was an issue with the video their site so I didn't get to look at him because he's a handsome bastard uh, he chats about sport uh, his performances uh, sanctionals like Dubai and stuff and how the sport is changing uh, his appearance or his lack of appearance in documentaries um, and his hopes and plans for this year and beyond. Enjoy, listen, share, and tag. Do you prefer BKG or Bjorgvin? Uh, you... BKG is fine. I think that's uh, people. It's definitely, it's definitely easier. Don't know me under the name Bjorgvin. No, <laughs> it's easier for me to say anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could, if some people would say BK Goodmanson because the my my last name is easier to pronounce. Oh yeah. So is your does that, your dad's name was Goodman something then? Yeah, yeah. My my dad's name is Gudmundur and then that means that I'm Gudmund's son. Yeah. And is there so is there names then in Icelandic that just aren't used as first names because they'd sound silly as a surname? Uh no, not really. I like say mine like my name's Peter, so Peterson, that's fine. That's yeah, that yeah, works. Yeah. But like if someone was called like I don't know, like you know the way some of the celebrities call their kids like Apple or whatever, like yeah. it was like it, Appleson. <laughs> No, there's not really. Well, there there are names that are strange, and it might sound like a little bit strange, but it still would fit. Yeah. So I'm not. No, but there's nothing like you're uh, saying. That, no, no. <laughs> not really. Um, do you drink a lot of coffee? I do. Yes, especially on rest days because um, I try not to take a pre-workout on rest days, oh, and that, yeah. that, that coffee is my number one go-to for sure. I was actually talking about this earlier today. My first cup was like at noon and that's like quite late. So I was like getting a little bit of headache and stuff <laughs> because, you know, I take quite a lot of caffeine. Do you know how many milligrams of caffeine you have like on a normal day? I would never try to go. I always try to go under 400 milligrams. Yeah. 
but that's still like I don't know if that's I think five hundred is like the limit for performance if you're using it for performance and stuff. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I try to stay around that four hundred. Yeah, I spoke. I have a this weird like twitch in both my calves. There's okay. kind of like a ripple, mm-hmm. and I was trying. I was trying to figure out what it was. So I was talking to a friend of mine, as a nutritionist. So I was talking to him, and he said like, "Oh, it could be this." Like he he's a physio as well, and he's like, "You know, jab your finger in and see does it spread, or you know, does it? Can you feel a pulse anywhere?" And I was I was mm-hmm. like, "No, there's nothing." He was like, "How much coffee do you drink?" And I like listed it out, and he was like, "What's that in milligrams?" And I worked it out, and I was like, "Oh, it's like 890." And he was like, yeah, okay. I mean, we want to get that around 300. <laughs> so I've had to start reining it back in and be oh, like... 890 is also quite a lot. There's all, almost a gram. <laughs> yeah, 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 it is really. And then I was kind of like, okay, well, I'll, uh, I'll just be more picky about... Because like up until today, I've been kind of like just... If I was bored, I'd just be like, oh, fuck it, I'll go and make a coffee. Whereas now I'm kind of like, I've all this free time not waiting for coffee to be made. I don't know what to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, when I talked to your manager, uh, Snorri, he was saying that the coffee scene in Iceland was like ahead of the game a long time ago, like that it's kind of started up before kind of a lot of Europe kind of got involved and he, he reckons it's still ahead of like America and stuff. Would you agree with that? You mean in quality? Yeah, quality. And I suppose the, the kind of artisan aspect of it, like of it being... Yeah, like- I mean... I think Icelanders are a big coffee nation. I do think that we also need the coffee... Because, you know, I don't know if it's like that in Ireland, but um, like we got eight, nine months of it being pretty dark all the time. And then, yeah. you know, it, it brings happiness to our lives to drink a lot of caffeine, I think. <laughs> and then, uh, I don't know, but like I always do think that you can get like a really nice coffee in the US, but you have to be a little bit picky. Yeah. Uh, but I do think that the overall quality of coffee in Iceland is pretty good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I just gonna. I just want to try turning off my video, just yeah. to see. Um, I just want to. You can still hear me, yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, I just. I think apparently it makes the quality a bit better if you, because if you're not using your video anyway, it does really better. Um, no, no, no. So, would you then, when you go to say, if you're a Madison or that, would you know all the hot spots around where you, where you're going to hit up for coffee then? Uh, well, no, not in Madison. Uh, Usually when we go out to the U.S., we go there like four or five weeks prior to yeah. the games to do a training camp there. Yeah. Uh, and my coach is a coffee man from death. Absolutely. Like he loves to drink coffee and he makes also a great cup of coffee. Um, and that's mostly what I drink. I don't know what brands he's using, yeah. but he's, def- he's using the pour over and all that stuff. Oh, okay, so yeah. um, he makes a great, great cup of coffee. and, and but I don't know of any like great coffee place in Madison or, or yeah, around. Yeah. yeah. Um, you said then that you don't take pre-workouts when you're not um, on your rest days or that. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you build into your nutrition plan then is like, okay, I need, like, is it something that you say you're reliant on your caffeine for your training or is it, you can, you kind of take it or leave it? It kind of, it kind of depends. Like I do feel like, Taking coffee before strength training is always a little bit better than not taking it. And I do think that, you know, reducing the caffeine intake for the conditioning sessions is always like a little bit better, I think, because of the controlled heart rate. Uh, it doesn't spike up quite as much. But I, do, I don't think that overall it matters that much. But I just do think that um, it's just like 
easier to like ramp up the heart rate a little bit slower if I don't take caffeine before a conditioning session. And I do think that before the strength sessions, it's, it's kind of necessary for me to have the caffeine just to like, you know, get pepped up and, yeah, and yeah. get under heavy weights. Yeah. Um, do you listen to a lot of podcasts? No, I actually don't. I, well, I've, I've, listen to some podcasts uh one of my friends from iceland here he does like icelandic podcasts posts probably like once a week i think and and i try to listen to him i don't listen to a lot of like you know joe rogan and stuff yeah. like that no, not really but I, I know of those guys and 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 you know i might drop into one or two but not on yeah. daily basis no do you enjoy doing interviews because i think you kind of have a reputation of being kind of of appearing quiet at least like that you're not you don't you don't seem to do a lot like you do you do do a bit like there is stuff like there is interviews of you out there and stuff but i think i suppose say the fittest in dubai came out recently on netflix here anyway and Mm -hmm. then the fittest the buddy bros documentary came out recently as well and i think like i suppose especially at the games because you did so well at the games i think people Mm -hmm. might have been a bit surprised at how little you featured and in dubai again you did really well there and again not much of a feature like a couple of little lines where you were talking to matt fraser when they happened to be there beside you and stuff but is that like Mm -hmm. do you not enjoy doing it do you shy away from it a bit or do you just not really care i definitely might shy away from it a little bit because it's uh maybe because i don't speak english right so i'm not english or i I mean you're uh, pretty fucking good (laughs) uh, (laughs) thank you though i mean it I've had to speak for the last for the last years because my coach is uh, is uh, from Finland, but he um, he he lives in London, and um, and it's also maybe just like yeah, I might shy from it a little bit, but I do enjoy it when I get the opportunity to get, to yeah. be interviewed for sure, and and to jump on a podcast is no problem. But I do think that I'm I'm definitely gonna try to be a little bit more in the spotlight. Um, and then maybe during a competition, I might be like a little bit too much in the zone for people to just come and say something or ask me about anything. And, and, you know, it might also be that I'm haven't really, like I've been in the spotlight for sure at the games. I mean, finishing pretty high over the last years, but I do think that, you know, guys that have something to say, like it's easier for, for Wellner or Fikowski to say something because they all obviously speak the language. Yeah. Uh, and then you, they might you, get the attention a little were bit. Were you disappointed? Say, obviously you're thrilled with how you did at the games last year, but was there an, any element of disappointment, like at, at how little you featured in the documentary, like that it was more, like I suppose it was really heavily focused on the cuts because it was the first year, so that's the storyline, like that's the big talking point. Mm-hmm. And then, I suppose between Noah and Matt, there was like you know a bit of drama, I suppose, a bit more drama than there usually is for first place. But mm-hmm. like, were you disappointed that there wasn't more of like a, an even spread, especially when there's only 10 athletes on the last couple of days? Like, were you disappointed not to feature more or do you care? Oh, no, uh, that's, that's true. Like, yeah, I care. I mean, um, I would have liked to know a little bit, like even me, I would like to know a little bit more about the people that was in the top 10 yeah. the last couple of days because we didn't, we hardly saw or heard anything from those athletes. And I think, I think, the, big I think one, the big one that surprised me was obviously you finishing third 
like there was just like a, a, a one-liner and it was just glossed over. But like Will Morad finishing inside the top 10 and then pulling his hamstring and not like they never mentioned that once. And I know I spoke to a couple of people and we were like, that would have been such a good. Like, oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah, for sure. Like that's heroic. That's that's so impressive to have, to have uh, like finished the competition with this yeah. hamstring pulled. Um, but I do think that they just might have you know, in in the yeah, like in the script before they started filming the the movie, you know, they were gonna highlight some of the athletes. Mm -hmm. I get it; it, it's gonna be hard to highlight everyone. Yeah, but I mean, I do think that you know, when it comes down to the top ten, they should like make changes on the on the go, and then maybe have an interview or two. It doesn't have to be long. I mean, just like 30, 40 seconds. Yeah, yeah. Each person would have made a difference, and it's also it it has been like this in all the movies so i haven't been featured at yeah. all i think in any of the movies yeah. so i remember when you when you spoke in the uh, fittest in dubai i got a, i got a bit of a fright when you spoke because i was like oh jesus he's after talking there like he doesn't yeah usually, yeah, yeah doesn't usually get an in like so yeah it, it, oh. it's definitely uh, it's cool that you're bringing it up there's not many people that have actually said that to me but of course family and like icelandic yeah. people but like outside of that i think you know there are probably many people that kind of want to know more about me and what person i have in there yeah because we have like you know a lot about the girls at this yeah. point um and then you know yeah i'm i've been quite dominant in the in the european field and, and i was gonna I, say i mean like your consistency is insane so like in the open you've never mm -hmm. finished outside the top 10 since like in the world since 2015 you yeah won iceland every year since 2015 You've mm -hmm. been top 10 at the regionals, podiuming four times since 2013. You've been top 10 <laughs> at the games every year since 2015, and you finished third twice, like last year in 2015. Yeah. Um, I, I spoke to John Singleton a couple of weeks ago, and he coached you for a while. And um, one of the things that came up with him, just he wasn't speaking about you, but just in general, was how, in this, especially in CrossFit, that if you lose that mantle of underdog, like if, you, if you're not an underdog anymore, you're a favorite. And I think do you think that you've prolonged your underdog status at the games because you're European, like because you're not from America, you're not from the U S you're maybe not interviewed as often. You're not as prominent in the spotlight. Like you said, do you think maybe because you're kind of shy away from that a little bit, that maybe it's kind of, I suppose maybe played into your advantage a little bit on the competition floor that like you're still surprising people, even though you've been so consistent. Yeah, I do think that, yeah, that's probably true. That's probably true. I don't think anyone, there are not many people that look at the roster before the games every year and think, yeah, BKG is going to be at the podium. Yeah. Uh, but I do come in like top five, you know, and it, like top 10 for the last, I don't know, four or five years. Um, and it's maybe it's, it, it might be my fault a little bit. Like I could definitely be more outgoing and I yeah. could be like more on social media speaking out and like that would, would probably bring a little bit more attention to me. Uh, but I don't know. That's just not who I am. I think, yeah. um, and maybe of course, like part of it might be like speaking into the camera in English, and then you know it might, yeah, definitely just being a little bit shy about it. I think is the is the main problem. But then getting on a podcast and and just talking about like me and myself and the training and everything is is really not a problem. And I do think that you know I might just need to like. 
commit to it more. Uh, yeah, commit to it more, step up my game a little bit more, and then I would probably get more attention. But I, I've always also thought about it this way, that you know, I don't really, I've never thought that I need to seek the attention. I kind of just want to prove yeah. that people want to talk to me. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. Just, just by like being on the podium, like winning the games and it's of course the ultimate goal. And then if that would happen, then definitely I would get a lot of attention. Right. Yeah. Does it, does it annoy you then? So you said there that like people you think are, I probably agree as well. I suppose that people would look at the roster and they, they wouldn't pick you as like, Oh, he'll probably win or come second or third. Like, does it annoy you that your name will be left out of those conversations that you wouldn't be marked as a challenger? Not much. No, but I would, just more like to prove people wrong instead mm. of like being, you know, angry about it or anything. Yeah. And that's definitely, that's always the goal. I mean, the goal for this year was definitely to, to finish on the podium again, like get back to the podium, gain that confidence that, you know, 2015 was no, no luck. Yeah. It was definitely deserved. And, and this year I feel like I absolutely proved that. And yeah. for the rest of the, the career i'm just gonna keep on doing you know what i do best and then uh definitely finish higher on the podium and in the upcoming years how did you find crossfit like how did you get involved in crossfit Mm. Uh, i was actually uh so i lived on the south west coast of iceland so about 30 minutes 30 40 minutes away from Reykjavik and when i started in 2012 there were only few crossfit boxes in iceland and all of them were located in, in Reykjavik. Okay. Uh, and the biggest one is CrossFit Reykjavik where Annie and um, Catherine uh, started training. Uh, Annie is there still, but Catherine, yeah. of course, lives in, in Boston. Uh, and my brother is in, the, is in the SWAT team in Iceland and they were training there. Um, and he just invited me to one of the, the RX classes, you know, the advanced classes a little bit. Yeah. I was pretty fit before... I started doing CrossFit. I had been doing, you know, soccer, uh, football, and yes. and gymnastics, and then just lifting weights a little bit, just bodybuilding stuff. So, like, I didn't do any of the like beginners courses. Yeah. Point. I just kind of dropped into those RX classes, and and you know, by that time, I I kind of found out that you know, the best people they weren't that far ahead. Yeah. Uh, and one of the first workouts I actually did was the was the seven minute of burpees, the first open workout in 2012, and that kind of like that workout kind of gives an idea of your conditioning, like where you're at. Of course, yeah. it's only burpees, so it's either it's either good news or really bad news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the conditioning was pretty good at that point, and you know the understanding of of movement, gymnastics, and. And I haven't hadn't been not like doing any weightlifting at that time, so mm. that was kind of what I needed to work on first. Do you think you had an advantage with the like starting weightlifting after doing gymnastics? Like, do you think? Because I know I spoke to I spoke to Pat Fellner. He said that the crossover is huge because you know exactly where your body is and what muscles are working and not working from from having experience in gymnastics. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think I, I gained control over weightlifting snatch and clean and jerk pretty early and I didn't need much time to get like pretty good technically yeah. uh, and then from that it was just about you know keeping it sharp trying to be a better technician but also just get stronger and that yeah. was uh, and I think do think that 
for me, getting stronger has been like the, like the main thing throughout my whole career, but it definitely transfers very well over to be, um, uh, a gymnast and then, and, and then touching a barbell doing the Olympics. And is there a moment then that stands out where you think, where you can think back and see like, that's the moment that I knew I was really good at this. There are, there are basically two, yeah. So I would say it was the Icelandic Championships in 2012. So I had been doing CrossFit for maybe five or six months. Yeah. And I came in second. Uh, right after a guy that had been to the regionals uh, two times. I think two or three times at that point. Uh, and he was getting like pretty close to that. You remember it was only top three that yeah, went to yeah. the game? And he was getting pretty close to that, like you know, top five, top six, something like that. And then the year after I, I qualified uh, for the regionals and finished ninth in my, my first regional. So that was kind of the breaking point for sure that I could, you know, okay, I'm just going to keep on doing this and not go to school and just focus on, on that CrossFit thing for sure. Yeah, there was probably those two moments. How did your family react to that where you said, I'm, just, I'm not going to go to school anymore. I'm just going to do CrossFit. Uh, I, I, I actually, I finished college yeah. at that point. Um, and my brother and his fiance, they were opening up a gym. Like soon after I started CrossFit, they were looking at opening up the gym and I started coaching there. Sure. Um, and the family, they, they've always just showed support and they, I don't think they have ever asked me about if I wanted to go and, and, and learn something because, well, first of all, I was showing results for sure. Yeah. And then they have kind of always known that, you know, I would definitely always try to be, you know, athlete at some point. And yeah. then, you know, they, they knew because I wanted to be a gymnast and then I wanted to be, you know, a, a good soccer player. And they did, they were never pushing me to just drop that stuff and go to school or anything like that. So yeah. How, just how far did you get with football? Um, so I played, one uh, national game for the under 16 yeah. against Norway, I think. It was just a friendly. Uh, um, but then it was just like, I was, I was pretty young when I, when I stopped. So it wasn't really on any like super high level. But I played were with... Were you in the same and, age group as the, say the guys that were at the Euros whenever, two years ago? Yeah, years ago. yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, similar age group, yeah. Uh, there's um i was playing with one guy he plays up front uh and he was at the he was he's in the the national team and he was at the europeans and the world cup yeah so yeah it was a uh, pretty good guys that i was playing with yeah yeah pretty decent yeah pretty decent <laughs> um i even just if you go by your instagram like you you tend to train alone a lot mm-hmm. so is that like is that a conscious decision to like to train alone so that you can push yourself just focusing on yourself? Or do you like, do you consciously avoid working with a group? No. So the story is that, you know, I started training with this RX class or RX group. What, what do you, you would probably come, uh, call it the, like, um, competition team yeah. or like competition group in CrossFit Reykjavik. But it didn't make sense for me to be driving 40 minutes to the gym and then 40 minutes back yeah like every every day uh but then after my brother opened up the gym like i don't know probably like six to eight months after i started crossfit um that's when i just had to pretty much go over there 
and we would be opening up a gym in a small town and where no one actually knew, like people knew CrossFit, but no one had been doing CrossFit. So I was the only yeah. one and definitely like way better than, than anyone there. Yeah. And no one would come to my gym to train with me. So I had no option other than <laughs> to train alone. Uh, yeah. But that was definitely frightening a little bit because people were asking like, okay, how are you going to get the push? Yeah. Uh, but then I just had to make the conscious decision of knowing that I was always going to be training alone. So I had to find some ways to push myself. And it has just been working out pretty well, I think, over the last years. Yeah, pretty uh, much. Yeah. I think a lot, of, a lot of people are facing that now where maybe they would have done classes or they would have, like even not... not um, you know, high level competitive athletes, but even say like the likes of me where you're used to being pushed on in a class. And mm-hmm. like, I think a lot of people are getting a shock now where they're training at home and they're, you know, they're, they might be doing a workout that they'd smash in the gym when they've got someone around and push them on. But when they're at home, it's very easy to take your foot off the gas a little bit, or it's very easy to, you know, like take a little bit extra rest or, you know, to, to wait till the clock goes to the next minute or whatever. Like, did you ever have any issues with that? No, not really, because I knew before I moved gyms that that was going to happen. So like really early on, I knew that I just had to be my own push. And and I knew that no one would say to me like, okay, why didn't you show up to training yesterday? Uh, And it would, I mean, it would be totally fine. Like no one would say anything to me if I wouldn't show up to a training so it was all on me definitely to show up and and give it my best every day and i mean i probably i'm always trying to like find new ways to definitely to push myself to like go into a little bit darker places a little bit deeper and do think that that's also like a pretty good motivation like it's 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 hard definitely and it gets super easy then when you're in in a competition or yeah. when you go to Reykjavik or something to train with others to like, I can definitely feel how that push from my training transfers into pushing with another people. So you never get say when you go to Reykjavik or whatever, and you're training with other athletes that would be at a similar level to you. You never get like, Oh shit. Like you never get a fright by having no. trained on your own for so long. You find that it's, that you're actually nearly showing off when you get there, that you're putting your, the work that you've done is ready to be seen. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's what, that's what I've been feeling for sure. Like that's, I always feel like, okay, I'm doing the right, right things at home. Okay. But I would definitely see it if I wouldn't have been pushing myself at to the extreme limits at home because I have, you know, Annie and Frederick Agidius. And I would definitely see if I've been slacking for the last, for the last, like, two or three months that that he would definitely be like overtaking me a little bit because they they train together and with pretty good good athletes but no that hasn't happened and so that's definitely working with the consistency that you've shown then throughout your career I suppose like is it do you still earmark possible weaknesses each season and then start working them or are you well honed enough now that you just kind of keep going through the same cycle and you know, start again, cycle through it, start again, cycle through it, or are you still finding weaknesses as you go? Oh, I, oh yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely uh, working on weaknesses. There are always something to work on. I'm, mm. I mean, definitely now there, there are less weaknesses uh, and we're more focusing on getting things, you know, up to like 
okay, like up to Matthew Fraser's level in yeah. this, even though it's pretty good, it just needs to be better. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I would say it, it, I'm definitely just honing the things and, and, and trying to get better at everything. Yeah. Uh, but then of course there are focus points like, you know, I've always, I've struggled with ang- uh, hip and ankle on, on the right side because I sprained my ankles many times playing mm-hmm. football and, and my hips were like a little bit tight from that. Uh, so that's, I, I always have that in the back of my mind. That's always like a little bit of more focus point on there. And then few things like, you know, upper back mobility and, and stuff like that. So it's, it's not much, but it's definitely something that I just keep need to keep on, on thinking about and, and trying to improve. Yeah. Um, at the games this year, then I suppose, like, were you nervous when they announced the changes or were you kind of excited? Cause you were like, all I have to do is finish inside the top 10 easy i'll do that i've done that for the last like six years like was there was oh there no nerves about it? i was super nervous about it and i i never took any cut for granted so yeah. it was always just one cut at a time one event at a time for sure like i was i was i was nervous for the first event yeah you know because there are like not that you couldn't fuck up in that event but like it's still it was like they were gonna cut 50 percent of of the competitors out and then you know, it's just, you know, shit happens. And yeah, it just takes one mistake. One, yeah, just one mistake. Yeah. And, and, you know, that wasn't allowed to happen. So I was really, I was really stressed and really like focused on, on uh, clearing the cut each day. And I mean, before the, before they cut to the top 10, like I had to, like I was sitting in eighth, I think. Yeah. And I really had to have a good event, the sprint event. And, yeah. you know, I, I definitely surprised myself by finishing second there. And, um, yeah, for sure. Like, I, was, I, I never came into the competition thinking, like, okay, it's going to be easy to get to top 10. Yeah. No, never. Were, were, like, was your anxiety heightened then when you saw people, like, say, like, uh, common names at the games dropping? So when you saw, like, say, Tim Paulson and Sean Sweeney and Velner and Fukowski and Annie and Sarah, when you saw those guys getting cut, were you kind of looking over your shoulder worried or do you just like focus on yourself and try and shut out that kind of noise? Yeah, I think I was pretty much just focused on myself. I wasn't too worried about like who were getting cut. Yeah. Because, like we saw, I think, was it Fikowski uh, uh, that got cut into the top? From Mary, uh, I think. Yeah, like the top 20 cut and, and then Velder, the, the top 10. Mm. But I was just still so focused on doing like just me and just trying to do you, you kind know. of do you kind of cocoon yourself then when you're in at the games like say like you mentioned frederick earlier on like he had to drop out and then obviously your friends at annie and she gets caught like are you aware that that stuff is happening around you or do you are you kind of protected from that just so that you can just focus on yourself i mean because me like me frederick and annie were training so much together then i was like you know i i felt sorry for frederick not mm. being able to compete at the games and i for sure felt sorry for annie not making it to the to the top 10 because i think she definitely deserved that mm. but then at the end of the day you know it was just me trying to you know focus on on my my performance and yeah. and and you know not get too caught up in in what other people were doing 
I I was watching the documentary that you made with Virus, the your clothing sponsors. Um, yeah, and a couple of things struck me. So every there was kind of like a debrief after each workout and like a a kind of chat before each workout with whoever was making the documentary. And I think one thing that I really noticed is that you you, you refer to other athletes a lot. So in the sled workout, um, well, what was really funny actually was when the sled workout was announced your reaction to it was like, oh, I just have to go unbroken and everything, push really hard. And then the the filmmaker asks on everything and you said, well, not the sled, I'll take it easy on the sled. And then just after the after the workout, you were like, yeah, I realized I had to give everything on the sled. Yeah. <laughs> so sprint as hard as he could. But yeah. I think, uh, you say at one stage, you're like, oh, it was good being ahead of Fakowski and Vellner and Fraser really drove me on. Mm-hmm. And then after Mary, you said unless you're Panchek Fraser or Noah Olsen, you're probably going to re- need a really strong strategy for this workout. Mm-hmm. Do you find it hard to get into a zone of only focusing on yourself in a workout? Or do you think that maybe part of you needs to be a bit worried about other people so that you can push on? Or do you even like deliberately focus on other people to drive you on? I do think that like you need to tr- you need to know like where you're at like uh, for an example in the Mary and the the sled workout is definitely two different workouts. I knew that you know a little bit shorter guys are gonna be fast on the pistols and they're probably yeah. good at handstand push-ups and pull-ups. You know I'm also good at that, but I have to know my limits there. Um, so it wouldn't make sense to me at that point uh, having like. I've had troubles with pistols in the in the past, so I it made no sense to me to try to be the world best at pistols in that work. I had just had to do my very best and trust my conditioning at that point. But then when you get a hat, like let's say in, in the sled workout, and you, you can see that people are behind you, you of course need to focus on where those guys are at because they're your competition. So mm-hmm. I can't just think like, okay, this is my, you know, this is my pace. This is my goal. Like, I, I just have to, of, of course, look at where my competition is and try to beat them. And that's all. That's definitely a, a gas on the fire when you're in front of somebody that's really, really good and is your like main main competition for sure. Do you ever uh, find it difficult to draw a line of like, you know, to stop focusing on too much on other people? Hmm. <laughs> Like, are you ever looking over your shoulder thinking, oh, fuck, Matt Fraser's chasing me down and then get too focused on that? No, not really, no. And I really don't get too stressed about what people, like who is coming or who is like, like let's say, trash talking or trying to get into your nerves or stuff like that. Like, I really do not pay attention to that. I, Does and a lot I, of that happen? Uh, yeah, a little bit, like for sure. Like they like when you're waiting for events and stuff, is there a lot of like mind games? Yeah, for sure. Like there are some people that try, uh, and I do think that it's it's pretty good with the not not that it is that it is a language commun- uh, problem or anything like that, but still, like maybe I don't get the sarcasm and stuff <laughs> like that. So that's probably a great thing because I don't know. Is he like what is he saying? Is he like trying trying to make fun of me or is he trying to say that you know he's gonna go on broken here and there like like i don't just i probably just don't get those things and they don't really get in my way yeah who'd so, be the worst who'd be the worst person for saying stuff like that uh probably fraser i would say 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, he's he's pretty good at those things. Um, like claiming he's going to go unbroken on something, hoping that yeah, he's or just yeah, or just saying it. something that totally makes no sense. Like, you know, <laughs> I'm just going to use like if we were about to use, you, you can choose your weight. Like he would say something that's something ridiculous, like thirty yeah. was too heavy, and then try to push people to come with them there, or yeah, but like just like trying to make people go out of their way, like and you know think a little bit more about okay i need to be closer to him or whatever like he he does that i do think Walder does it a little bit but it's in a, in a different way though because yeah, he's he's, uh, he's he's funny like phrase is funny as well but valner is like i don't know he kind of he's less threatening or something yeah yeah that's true and then but he's still trying to figure out things and trying to psych you out a little bit but he's still friends with you and do you know what i mean like yeah he's a, he's a super nice guy though it's uh it's it's cool how, how how different all those characters are who would you gravitate towards then at competitions is there people that you like when you get to the games is there someone that you stay in touch with throughout the year that you see at the games is there like a group of friends or anything mm, i mean me and patrick weller are pretty good friends i know fikowski pretty well now fraser as well um Is and then for being in heats with them and stuff kind of yeah yeah like just spending a lot of time with them outside of the competition floor and then there are people like you know sean sweeney he's a he's a funny guy and yeah. and you know they're just it, it's uh it i mean it's been a long it's been a long time that i've been in this sport yeah uh and you know people come and people go and like i remember i think that you know Walder Fikowski and and Fraser are probably you know the guys that I probably talk the most to. I, I won't um, I won't get you to name anyone. Well, you can name them if you want. Mm. But is there anyone that you like would meet at the games and be like, oh, for fuck's sake, not this guy, or like you know that you'd turn and walk the opposite direction? Oh, uh, because he's boring, or just annoying, or anything like that. No, not really. I would no. Probably not because like it's probably a safe answer to be fair. Yeah. No, I wouldn't I wouldn't I don't think there's anyone that's like people try to avoid or anything. Yeah, but I yeah. still get starstruck when I see Ritz Froning. That's that probably never gets away. Really? <laughs> yeah, I mean he's uh he was probably the reason why I started like doing that whole thing because uh, it's funny like because Fraser would probably be on his level and you've I suppose become because you've come up with Fraser, it's easier. You know, I think it's probably that's I think so. Yeah, it's probably that. And also, I was, I was lucky to like I was I I feel lucky to have qualified for the 2014 games. That was like Froning's last year, and seeing that ap- epic finish, you know, battling it out uh, against Fraser, and like, yeah. and then I haven't competed like against him yeah. individually since then, and then. You know, yeah, he was just just the motivation from the beginning, uh, yeah. and I, I I knew who Fraser was when I was already at the the CrossFit yeah, yeah. Games level. Um, but I mean, Fraser is also just incredible. I th- I don't think anyone would say say anything else. Yeah, when the system changed, then from regionals and sanctions started up. Did you? find yourself like trying to peak more often throughout the year or was your sole focus on the games and then sanctions were kind of like an added bonus on the journey to July every year? Mm, I, I don't think that I've, I don't compete any, 
like I'm not doing that much more of competitions. Uh, I do think that I just do like RCC, the regular CrossFit Champions is kind of like the regionals for me. And yeah. then I might do another competition before the games. Yeah. But the sole focus is to do the open one competition and then the games. But then, of course, we have, you know, in the off season or so is the, the Dubai Fitness Championship. So that's yeah. kind of like free money. <laughs> Free money and also like a status check on, you know, what's happening in the off season. Like, how do you stand against mm. people at that time? And then that also gives you like a pretty good idea of what you need to be like paying more attention to in training. So it's a good like spot yeah. in the off season to have that competition. I was looking up uh, more in Chalk Up have a, like a competition earnings thing for every athlete Yeah, um, for the last 12 months or 14 months or something. So, mm-hmm. You came like uh, away from Dubai with like thirty odd thousand dollars, and you came away from the games with eighty odd thousand dollars. Are sanctions making it easier for you to be focused on your performance and to not worry about like finances and stuff? Or like I suppose the second question then is: Is the extra stress involved on the body and the mind competing in Madison worth it, or is it more about pride in Madison than it is about earnings? I think it's more about pride than Madison for sure. Yeah. But outside and and also if you if you do well, you get pretty well paid. Yeah. Um, but the for sure, like I've always thought about the money aspect of the of the CrossFit, and and that's that's a big. I remember, more- I remember in the same in the in that same virus documentary, you said if I wasn't getting paid for this, I wouldn't put myself through the pain. Oh, absolutely not. I mean, there would be no chance I would be doing this. If I wouldn't get paid for it, for sure. But also, over the last year, the it has been a little bit easier to get sponsors that, mm. that pay. It hasn't been like that, you know, from the beginning. It's getting a little bit easier now. Uh, and they Do are you think so- that's your, your status or is it the sports status? I think that, you know, more people are getting sponsored and getting paid for what they do. Yeah. And it, I think that's re- very positive. But you're probably referring to like the regionals and around that time, it was definitely like, it was hard for sure. It was hard to yeah. financially cover all those travels. Yeah. Uh, but then winning the regionals was like a pretty good, like, I don't know, it was like five grand or something that you got mm. for the regionals. And that was like, okay, that covers like the flight and probably the accommodation for the CrossFit Games. But then after it got a little bit bigger, then the sponsors came in and with like a little bit more money and, and it would make, you know, life a little bit easier, especially for the, you know, the top guys and girls in the world. But even on the, the Dubai, the documentary in Dubai, they were saying like that, if you qualify, you get like $1,500. So that's like, your, like, it's basically a free trip. To, you oh know, yeah! You don't have to invest to go, and then if you've still got sponsors backing you and stuff, it makes it so much easier. Like, oh, absolutely! I absolutely, I think that's great, and that's that's a very cool thing about Dubai. Like, I think a lot of people would, you know, think to themselves if it's worth it just to go to the competition if they wouldn't get anything for qualifying. And you yeah. know, it, it's it's a huge thing to qualify for. Let's say the Dubai um, Championships because like you have pretty much the thirty. 20 or 30 fittest people in the world competing. Yeah. So I definitely think that they should get something for achieving that. I think they they do have a lot of money though. So it, it helps. Like yeah. I are pretty rich. Like I remember, was it 
I don't know, was it an individual uh, event last year or a team event last year where they said yeah. they'd give $7,000 or something to the winner and then everyone tied? So they had to give everyone the same yeah. amount of money. Like. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And then they have multiple times done the changed the the final events from being three thousand to thirty thousand. Yeah, it's crazy. So like last year they just did that, and that's like what? Yeah. I mean, and that's all, that's also like a good good strategy because you will get everyone to try to yeah, win the. It's event. an exciting event. That's yeah. a great show. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about a potential return to the ranch this year? Say it again. How do you feel about a potential return to the ranch this year? Oh yeah, uh, I I mean I <laughs> honestly I do not think that the games is going to happen. Are you are you training as if it's going to happen? But it's yeah, it's not okay. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, everything is in, in in full swing for sure. I mean I I I think it's cool. It's it's it, it's probably a nice place. I mean, we we were there in, in 2016, mm. but this also means that you know they're probably not going to test swimming, yeah, for sure. Uh, and then they're probably not going to test like all. Well, they probably could, but I'm just thinking how are they going to pull it off with with so many athletes? It could be cool if the media is 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 well done and if the broadcast is great. And but it's still it's just not the same without the spectators, without your family coming over and like. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was going to say. Like, if it went ahead without fa- fans, do you think that would affect your performance? I, I don't. It kind of depends. Do you, do you on rely the, on the crowd, like? For sure, yeah. Like at times you do, but also, it, like, if they're gonna have the price purse the same, then that's <laughs> enough <laughs> enough motivation for sure. But um, it, it's just it would be so much different, and I do think that you know stress plays a lot of factor in this and and you know performing for many thousands of people for some people gets stressful so that maybe maybe that aspect is taken out of things you know some people won't get as stressed because they don't have the spectators there uh and that means that you know they might perform very well i think we will see like different results from from many athletes if 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 this is going to happen um but i just it just seems so hard to be able to have the cross games in aromas because there are so many people from outside of the US yeah, like, that, like have, that has thing, to come in. The thing that I, like, I was kind of talking to someone about it just before he announced it. So I just wanted to say that I was the one who predicted that this would happen. But I hmm. said, what if they went back to the ranch and had it there? And then uh, the guy I was talking to, Vincent, was like, but how would they do that? And I said, well, they could do like, the first cut could be done through online competition. So that would wipe out half the field. And mm-hmm. then he said, well, what about people that can't go? And I was like, well, people that can't go now are fucked anyway. Like say uh, Roman from Russia, he can't get a visa, but sure, but sure, tough shit. Like, you know, you can't go, you can't go. That's it. Your place is just given to the next person. So they just do the same, you know, right. say if there's no flights leaving Iceland, no. sorry, sorry, BKG, you're just not coming. Do you know like that? <laughs> you're pill to swallow, I suppose. But, um, yeah, I just wanted to put it on record that I was the one that said what would happen. So, yeah. <laughs> well, it was a great guess, though. <laughs> it was just like it was a guess. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, um, I mean, that's definitely, definitely things that they could do just by trying to like cut people, and that would totally make sense to have it like an online competition like three weeks prior to the games or something, and then they would end up with, you know. 40 or something yeah see, it, it's it's hard because with all the 
I suppose the sanctionals rely on the fact that they're sanctioned events. So if they don't have the games this year, or if it's cancelled or whatever, then I suppose it puts sanctioned events in an awkward position because it's right. Well, do we send the person that won last year, or do we just pretend that 2020 didn't happen and start again? You know, like they can't. Mm-hmm. Like Castro was saying, oh, we could just have the games next summer. And it's kind of like, right, but are you going to have double the amount of people then? Because you're, you're still surely going to have an open. So then you'd have, yeah. instead of having, I don't know, 150, you'd have 300 people there, do you know? So mm. It's very hard for them to manage. Like, I feel sorry for them because it's, I don't know, it's the same. Every sporting organization has the same problem. Like, the Olympics are having the same problem. And, you know, the Premier League and, all, like, all competitions have the same problem. But I suppose when it's a sport you follow, you kind of, mm-hmm. you kind of, bad for them I suppose that there's so many moving pieces that they have to consider like yeah uh, yeah I don't know I guess we'll just we'll just have to see how it all goes I mean yeah. if, if it's gonna transfer over I mean if I it would make I mean it makes sense to just you know have an open champion you know who won the open yeah Wellner wasn't it yeah I mean yeah. Wellner is the open champion here there was no games in 2020 Let's move over to 2021, and then it all starts with the open. I, I think I, honestly, I think that would be like the easiest solution is to to start it over, yeah. but not carry over the athletes to the next year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, have you thought about what you're going to do when you finish competing? In my. In my what? When is like in your life when you finish competing? Like oh, when I finish competing, um, well. I have a, I have a I have a big interest in uh, physiotherapy. I like that stuff for some reason, um, and I really I enjoy when <laughs> I kind of enjoy when someone gets a problem because it's 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 fun to figure out things yeah. and to help people with their with problems. So I think that you know, physiotherapy, you know, osteopathy, chiropractic, something like that would be an interest of mine and also just to like try to build a name around, you know, BKG and, you know, maybe work a little bit with teams in Iceland, like doesn't necessarily have to be in CrossFit. It can yeah. be in like the off season training for, you know, soccer, handball, uh, basketball, all that stuff. And I think yeah. that at this point I've, I've built up a pretty like respected character in that area in Iceland. And a lot of people know, the name, uh, but I haven't really tried if anyone interested in, in, you know, getting coached by me or something like that. But I do think that, you know, I could be pretty good at that because I have at this point pretty good. Um, yeah. Like I've been around the fitness and, you know, how to build your conditioning, build your strength. And yeah. like, of course there are different focus points in, in each sport. So, that needs to be addressed as well. So my coaching and maybe, you know, physiotherapy, stuff like that. Cool. Um, if I was to ask you for a career low light and a career highlight, what mm-hmm. moments stand out? Mm, I would probably, low would probably be 2016 games coming in eighth. <laughs> uh, you know, I was at the podium, the, the year before and then I got a little bit like hurt in my back I had some like nagging injuries going into the season it didn't really get any better and I competed at the games you know like almost a little bit injured but still like I was able to pull it off and I didn't feel like I was 
didn't feel good, didn't sleep good, didn't like, you know, didn't believe that much in in my ability. Uh, so I would probably say 2016 games, and then the highlight was definitely like I I do think that still in to this day the 2015 at the podium. Okay, there are probably three: the 2015 at the podium, now in 2019. But I kind of expected it, so I was kind of like. You know, I would be mad if I didn't finish at the podium in 2019 because okay. I just believed it so much. But then regionals 2018, the last regionals when I when I was able to pull off the knee injury and still qualified. So like I do think that that's probably the best regionals, even though I won in 16 and 17. That you know, showing like improving to myself that mental strength and being okay. able to qualify in 2018 was probably my. Yeah, yeah there, the biggest pretty special. Yeah. Um, cool. So I usually finish up with a, a quick fire. Yeah. Kind of either or. Um, mm-hmm. So snatch or clean? Snatch. A bar, bar or rings? Uh, rings. Regionals or sanctionals? Uh, regionals. Strength or engine? Uh, strength. Chipper or sprint? Uh, chipper. The best piece of equipment you ever bought? Mm, uh, the C2 by Gurk. Cool. Uh, who would you pick to join you on a team to take on the games? Uh, Racer. <laughs> and what girls? Uh, okay, yeah. I'll, Although the two of you would probably give it a good shot on your own, to be fair. <laughs> uh, Annie and Sarah. Very good. Um, mm-hmm. And win the games and go into forced retirement or... Keep going, but never finish higher than second. Oh, win the games. So if you won the games in 2021 and we're told, okay, you're going into the final event. Okay, you can win this, but you're never allowed to compete again. Hmm. Well, that's just the ultimate goal. And then, yeah. and then that's enough for me. You can hang up your grips. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And, and, and stop at the top. That's, that's also cool. Cool. Yeah. That's yeah. Nice. Um, right. Thanks a million for doing that. Um, absolutely. Anytime. <laughs>